Want to make your own podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easy, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. Here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like I have an outlet for the creativity and ideas I want to share with the world. I recommend you give it a try. We all have a voice, so share it with the world. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. say cabal to define cabal for your listeners i would say that would be religious right which is not part of the christian circle it is something apart from god that wants to capitalize on marketing god so religious right with the agencies government agencies with a hollywood group with the, i mean it goes all the way to vatican bank of england you name it they're all in it together including the mafias destroyed Destroyed. My life is destroyed. The way the studios do it to meet latches and things like that, uh, time limits on filing things, is they destroy your life. They destroy your life. Then they mock you in the very work. I was employed by David Rockefeller's group, given top positions and um, a beautiful home that's usually for vice presidents. And I was just spoiled and treated by Disney and Rockefellers in the holding period. It's the honeymoon period. And then after they're ready to steal the work, you're cut. They pull the rug. You lose everything. I want to get past their insane talking point where they just go, he lost his case, he lost his case, he lost his case. Let's show what they did. Let's show the fraud and let's get past that, that when everybody raises that specter, we can say, no, let's look at what's actually being done here for God, for people, to, just for the children to save this whole situation, to turn the world around. And let's get to why this piece was written and get past that talking point. Because if you look at it, he lost his case. I was breaking Morant on steroids. It was all about throwing the case and having us lost before we even got in there like the art of war. They even tell me that. So let's get that under the belt and then we can get rid of their noise and their talking points. Defeat their talking points, we can solve the problem and, and set things straight. Welcome to the Days of Noah podcast, where we talk all things biblical, supernatural, and strange. Today, we are privileged to be joined by the one and only Tom Althaus, the original, real creator and writer of the Matrix series, the Matrix franchise. When he wrote it, it was called The Immortals, stolen by the Wachowskis and Warner Brothers, and he's got the receipts to prove it. But there's so much more to Tom's story. Crazy twists and turns, and we are just going to scratch the surface on this part one of our first conversation with Tom. And there are many more to come. But in this first part, we're going to lay the foundation for what was done to him and diagram the anatomy of intellectual property theft. How the movie studios 
what is their playbook? How they go about doing this? So sit back, enjoy the ride, and let's get started with Tom Althaus. For myself and for everyone listening, do you want to just kick it off and give an introduction of yourself and things? It'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Okay. Uh, first of all, this came to my heart. A lot of times I just follow the heart, and that's how the whole writing came around. Uh, I was whispering through art what I felt God had given me um, after a quest for uh, can your children basically uh, father, make a difference in this world. Can we show you, as a Job was tried, can we show you that we actually can come through as your children in this time? Can we change the timeline? That's a big question. And is that possible? Can we ask our father that? And then this work came. All this stuff from tech to uh, warnings to how the cabal works, everything for our time. So our father said, yes, I believe that. And one of the first things he had me put into the story treatment, which is, you know, I have to have a story treatment. And that's basically lets your producers and directors know exactly what this thing's about, where the audience may not see it. It gives the nuts and bolts. When did you re- write that or, or have those ideas? This particular version This particular version is January 1992. Uh, 1989, it started coming after I was being groomed to be the face of the Christian Coalition for Pat Robertson. This The, the first sentence is this. I think you'll get it, essentially, since you're centered on Noah. Um, it says, the Tower of Babel is complete. And the reason the Tower of Babel is complete, because man has perfected the neural link and also longevity. So therefore, they feel like they don't need God anymore. So you were asking God some questions. You feel like you got some answers. You're obviously part of the, the Writers Guild, right? I'm assuming. And Yes, and yes. The, I actually entered for those in. that can't see, because we're an audio-based podcast, um, he held up a script uh, that he wrote and again, the date was. This one's nineteen ninety-two. This is a story treatment. So this is this this is eleven pages of a story okay. treatment. So that's like a primer, Here's, primer to this. Yeah, to the script. It's what you give producers and directors so they can understand okay. the work. And here is the actual script. Now this is one hundred twenty-eight pages long, with the music, and you'll see there nineteen ninety-eight. This is the nineteen ninety-eight stamped version used on set in nineteen ninety-nine. So this is what you can't get around. And they're trying to say forgery now, but I'm holding up for your listeners an embossed. You can't make that gold embossed. You see the name of the actual um, supervisor at the copyright office, yep. Angela Hightower, her signature. You see the PAU number uh, right there, which means anybody can look up this thing and see it's there. So it's no saying it's a forgery. So yeah. that it's looks to me like a uh, notary. Is, is it similar to something notarized? Well, better. This is actually a, what's what they say, sealed from the copyright office and directors. It is a um, material from the U.S. government, U.S. copyright office. It is beyond notary. This is actually a certified, U.S. copyright certified script, way beyond notary. Yeah. And so just to provide context, because I know we kind of jumped in there and that's fine. Mm -hmm. So, so... Uh, to everyone listening, and, I, and of course, I always uh, record intros, you know, prior to our interviews for the show to provide context. But Tom Aldhouse wrote what we know of as The Matrix, that whole movie series. He wrote it called The Immortals, and it was sub- subsequently stolen by Warner Brothers. Is that mm-hmm. fair to say? OK, and and we'll get into how that progressed. Um so that's why, yeah, we're introducing Tom as uh, that screenwriter and, um, yeah, and providing context for that. So go ahead. Well, one of the things I wanted to also share is I sent you a thing that we've been just told about. We were insiders are now helping us. They're actually bringing down their own ship. Um, their whole philosophy is pick the winning side. They're, it's called 48 Ways to Power or something, and it's standard reading within the cabal. And a cabal, when I say cabal, to define cabal for your listeners, I would say that would be religious right, which is not part of the Christian circle. It is something apart from God that wants to capitalize on marketing God. That's inside there, too. That's really the wrong way to go. And in fact, Pat Robertson said he had a law of reciprocity, which meant, he said in a video, that you can hold God to his own laws 
and make a fortune off of God by his own laws, by binding him by his own laws to make yourself rich. Unbelievable statements. So religious right with the agencies, government agencies, with a Hollywood group, with, I mean, it goes all the way to Vatican, Bank of England, you name it. They're all in it together, including the mafias. That's what I learned. They all got greedy about the work. And that's why those entries I sent you about Tom Hanks yes, um, that you have is very important. And might even, we step into it now maybe, but yeah. Yeah, we will. Um, yeah, so maybe put another way, the cabal is the interconnected world system, the Luciferian system, whether it's people at the very top who are literally, you know, worshiping Satan, sacrificing children, all of that, down the levels to just give me the money and the women and I'm, I'm, I'll, I won't tell what you're up to, you know? And so it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, everyone's looking out for each other. Just like, uh, Luke, we, when we were talking about, uh, Fiona Barnett's documentary, uh, Candy Girl, and she was a uh, time I mentioned to you, to uh, her, to you last night, uh, briefly, but she was trafficked as a child in Australia and she, you know, brings up, uh, you know, um, the Kidmans, Anthony and Nicole, and they were right there watching these rituals and stuff. And, but basically like the judges, the, uh, police, um, the politicians, like they're all looking out for one another. Right. And, well, that's, yeah. that's something you're going to see. Yeah. yeah. Um, not jump on you, but yeah. gonna, you're going to see people who are unqualified getting top positions and they'll go from position to position that doesn't even correlate. So you'll have, um, someone who's a clerk becoming a, um, person on a board who then becomes a judge who then becomes somebody in charge of electronics. It's like wherever they need you, they, they pass their loyal ones around and they're, they're usually failed people that get top positions because they'll be loyal. You'll see this even with presidents. Hmm. So it's like they will absolutely put, and you basically are just paid off people going wherever you're needed to shut down the trail. Yeah. And they believe that everybody has their price. And that's why any people like ourselves that are broadcasting, like you're doing this, would be considered difficult. Mm-hmm. That's the label you would get is difficult. Because they'll say, you need to take this offer. Like you said, Wachowskis were offered beautiful women, fame, fortune, as if beautiful women were part of a trade commodity. And so they feel like they have this control, like playing God in the world. And then what they do is, if you take the offer, you are, you're you on the inside. They've got you dirty. So they part of their thing is recruiting. Anybody they think has uh, is viable, has intellectual um, ideas, uh, which I think is power. And they want to harness and bring you in and recruit you in. And they say, you're part of the elite now when they do that, when they offer the chair. You're part of the elite now. Your life is over as you know it. And they play this card. Your family will be safe in what's coming. You just, you know, and they use that leverage card saying, you know, you want your children to be safe. They put it in their movies and they'd say it to you when they pitch it to you. And that's part of, that's why you don't see our ranks very full of those that said no, because then we're made example of, examples of when people say no, they use you that way. So let's, yeah. I, I wanted to ask, so you, you got the script, you showed the date. So kind of go through the timeline of, of you getting that certified, you having it, what, how did it transition from somebody stealing it to, yeah, you know, the progression or, of that. or how you were going to use it, but then weren't able to use it, you know, type of this kind of the timeline of, of that, that, that era. Now keep me on track. Cause this is going to be a multi-layered answer. <laughs> And I usually say the best question prompts more questions. So that's not an evasion tag. That's just, that's the way the nature of the beast is. So of this nature. So what I'm going to say is I'll just follow as I feel like I'm given it Mm -hmm. to answer. First of all, I didn't expect it to be made. I expected to whisper through art for future generations to know what's going on, that maybe we could save people in the future because they were so entrenched right now. When I was brought in and offered the chair and promised I was one of the elite now, I didn't think there was any way to unravel the beast to take it down. It had too many legs, if you will. So I whispered through art. Next thing I know, I'm asked to pitch it to Bonaventura, top exec. Now I do drop a lot of names and you pointed this out, Pete. So I'm going to isolate this one. Uh, Lorenzo D. Bonaventura still claims he discovered and shepherded the matrix story. And exec, right? exec at where? Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers. Okay. Top one, top. 
He has a penchant for saving the careers of failed writers. Now, I sent you a thing. I know your audience can't see these things, but you'll see a reference point right there in one of the first bunches I sent you. I sent you a lot of material. And yeah, I probably was like, whoa. That's all right. But <laughs> he is the one that actually had me pitch it and gave it to Joel Silver, uh, the guy who still claims he's owner of that franchise, all right, at Warner Brothers also. Okay, and timing-wise, this was 93? That was in 93, June. And we know exactly when the pitch was. June 25th, 1993, because we have the letter of submission then. We have uh, the tracking number receipt from the original attorney. We have their attorneys that they supplied me to throw the case saying that um, James Boyd of Norfolk had nothing. And it uh, turns out he had everything and supplied it, testified, affidavit, everything. All right. So you so pitched it. Everything was a script. Yeah. Pitched it. They said they're making it. It's revolutionary. Uh, Bonaventure actually ran to a bank in Albany when I pitched it in New York, Long Island. And bragged about having this new revolutionary piece. All these studios were interested in it. And that's in 1993. That's also in 1993 when Disney is very much getting involved. They set up Mike Lang, Harvey Weinstein's boss, at Disney. This name's important because they're trying to bury it. Look up Mike Lang sometime and see what you find. This is the guy who formed Miramax for Disney, the library of stolen material. Miramax Films was formed in 1993 when... Mike Lang, Harvey Weinstein's boss, was put in position in 1993 by Michael Eisner of Disney to launder intellectual property. Hmm. And we know that um, Disney, I'll take a little side trail back to your answer, Luke. Uh, the, Disney is actually the ones that uh, broke copyright law by instituting a new sideways law that said that they could keep Mickey Mouse indefinitely, perpetually, without following copyright protocol which would be at certain time you release it to public domain. So the idea would others would develop off that work after you had time as the creator to make the work. And when, when did uh, Disney um, make this change or did they get a law changed or they somehow created a loophole for themselves? And when did they do Great this? question. A special rider, basically, if you will, is what I understand is that they got a special deal where uh, they're exempt from the copyright rules okay. for Mickey Mouse. It shows you right away the nature of their beast and how they're going to be thinking and how they're going to operate. Since they got away with that, they set up the idea of let's create a library, Disney library, of materials they don't own. They actually say in a Vanity Fair article with Mike Lang saying it, that it is in a New Jersey warehouse, these hard copies of scripts that they want to take. And it's, it's unbelievable. You want to get more like a, some kind of B movie about the mob. That's what they did. Yeah. So this is Italian mafia actually became disney and when when did okay when did they do this now was this in the 80s or 90s or long ago i'd have to look up for the exact okay. date i'd be i'd be wrong to just throw one out yep. there i'd have to see what it is that'd be just a research tab okay so so yeah. with you presenting this um to these very important people these these individuals that could bring it to life what is the normal process i would have i would venture to guess that there would be a contract they say we love it, and Great then question. since you're the owner of that material, I would think they would present to you a contract that you would sign that would give you compensation, yeah. the right to for them to use exactly, it. exactly, and a non-disclosure exactly. too, right, Tom? Exactly, you're you're on track. See, they they take you down a rabbit trail where you're following as they say. They get you in. They say yes to you. They, they snow you with this idea of like, oh, man, you made it now. This is revolutionary. We're doing this. Here's what you do. We have to follow protocol. They even let you know that you need to follow a certain protocol to make you feel like you're on track and everything's checked and dotted, right? Crossed and crossed and dotted. So what they do is, in my case, they uh, Bonaventura said, okay, we need to uh, – he said, I'll push it through. Right there is your clue. As you said, a contract. It's supposed to be a contract. But he's saying, I'll push it through, but to meet protocol, have an attorney submit it. But what's, what you're supposed to really do is have an agent submit it, and, and Warner Bros. doesn't select uh, unsolicited work. So Bonaventura uses that angle. It's such a great question because he plays it this way. He says, I'll push it through because they're, you know, they don't accept unsolicited work. So I'll make sure it gets in. I have a friend at the story department named Elizabeth. It's on, it's on, on um, James Boyd's submission letter we have okay. that you have a copy of now. You have the copy and affidavit yep. both. So you can attest to this. So he's, he's saying, you know, I'll push it through. You submit it through an attorney to my friend at the story bar department, Elizabeth. She'll make sure it gets to the hands of Diane Bellis. I'll give you names, but these are names at the time. They're important to note. Uh, head of the story department at Warner Bros. 
So that letter of submission, we can see we're doing it right. 4,000 Warner Lane, Elizabeth, a care of Elizabeth to Diane Bellis. Here's a street, uh, story, treatment, script, character breakdown, music through James Blood in Norfolk, tracking number receipt. Everything was done properly according to the way Bonaventure instructed us. Yet the question is so beautiful, Luke, because what is he actually doing? He's saying that phrase, I will push it through because of protocols, which means he's taken us off protocols. Hmm. See, yet we're meeting protocols at the same time by this idea. An attorney is better than an agent submitting because an attorney, he has, I mean, attorney submitting to an, uh, studios, tracking up a receipt. So how do they play that? And this is very important, never been discussed before. They'll say they didn't get it later. Well, he's got the tracking over the receipt and everything. So that's one way they'll play it. The other way is you didn't follow protocol. You're supposed to send it through an agent, not an attorney. Well, Diane Bellis had talked to me on the phone after the fact and said, next time, send it through an agent. That was their cover. So Bonaventure at the beginning should have said, send it through an agent, not an attorney. Okay. Yet an attorney's better. Yet they're able to play that card, and they did. They said, uh, it wasn't submitted through an agent. We don't take unsolicited work. So so, so how is it uh, – and I'm seeing the divide that you're creating between how it should have been done. So how is it slipping out of your fingers then? So they he's he's taking the ball and running with it, all the while telling you he's he's walking in lockstep with you, which he's not. Right, right. So, right. so well, yeah, continue the, the path of how it's perfect. slipping out of your fingers. Yeah. You guys are good. You guys are good. This is so important. No, you're good. Yeah, I have Diane Bells talk to me. They have Diane Bells talk to me on the phone. And she says this, no one's going to be interested in anything with Hitler in it. Now that's, but she says, first of all, she says this, um, I got the materials. We have it. Next time, send it through an agent so we're both protected. Hmm. Now, why would Diane Bells, the head of the story department, say, so we're both protected? An a, a, attorney is a better, better than an agent. Yeah. An attorney is better than an agent. So we actually did it better. So Bonaventura had us do it better, but they're able to weasel around. Now, Diane Bellis is bumped out of position immediately as head of story department, and they bring in two players to cover it up. Teresa Wayne, who was from 1993 onwards, to even to state, is the head of the story department for this cover-up. Still there. She's the one that even said in testimony in Sophia Stewart's case, which she lost, that who claims to be the mother of the matrix claims that Joel Silver submitted the work in 94, but it wasn't called matrix then. Yeah. And there was no Wachowski's attached to it. They hadn't selected yet who was going to be claiming it. It was a lottery going on, a decision going on, a vote going on to who would be the ones to steal it. Failed players brought in house. Keep in mind the Wachowski's were, as I think you said, Luke, uh, they're promised beautiful women, fortune and fame. That was Dina Laurentis, who is the he- who is the man who still claims he uh, shepherded the work with um, the Wachowskis. He had brought them in, wine and dine them, and the Wachowskis failed at everything. They brought failed people in, promised them beautiful women, fame and fortune, wine and dine them because they needed somebody in-house to take the work. The studios, when they get greedy and steal work, they want it in-house. So they take fallen, failed people and employ them to do their crimes. And take the work. And the Wachowskis weren't the first choice. Tom Hanks was one of the first choices. And when he watched the scene, that's where you get to this material that I sent you that was now given by the inside, where they have their main person on the run. Because now you see, if you look at that document, you, if you can tell it for listeners, you're going to see Tom Hanks was what? Ordered and commissioned by Warner Brothers to write The Immortals in 1998. I'm holding up the script again for viewers, listeners. Um, 1998. So at this date, Tom Hanks is brought in. And what was his as position? Ordered. He was listed as employee for Warner Brothers to take the work. Let's follow it. You ready? Yeah. So he is listed as in the copyright office entry, which I sent you. You'll see this. Tom Hanks ordered and commissioned by Warner Brothers to write The Immortals, 1998. It says it's two pages long that he's he's the certified writer of the immortals. They're putting a slot there of two pages to claim that he can cre- claim that he's the writer of what work? My work. The Bonaventure had me pitch right there. So they take they take a, an employee, which in my mind, I don't know. Has Tom not even Tom Hanks is probably no, he's not he, not employee, but appointed yeah. by. 
appointed by and they're listing him as an employee for the purposes of the copyright theft. Isn't that something? So he, you're right. It's very important what you're saying, Luke. He's not an employee of Warner Brothers, but for the purpose of stealing the work, they're going to list him on the copyright entry as employee of employee of Williams of Warner to Brothers. To your knowledge, has Tom Hanks ever written anything? But Nothing. that that reminds Nothing. me of what Yet. you were just saying He's earlier. They'll take right individuals here. and put them in different positions that have never done those positions. And here is Tom Hanks, who's an actor, but he's never written mm-hmm. anything. But yet, but yet he is commissioned exactly. by a very large studio to write the Immortals. It makes no sense. Exactly. Exactly. Now, if you perfectly said, move people around that aren't in your positions. Here's Cloud Atlas, done with Larry Wachowski, on another take of my work of the Immortals as I use up the rest of the story, they said. Tom Hanks is the best friend's Larry Wachowski, and he's appointed to write the work. So look at that entry. Look at that entry, if you will. I know your viewers can't see it, but look at the Tom Hanks. Show Luke the Tom Hanks entry yeah. at the copyright office. Yeah. yeah, I don't have it handy, but I, I do have it in the okay. email, and I'll, I will send that okay. to him. But yeah I, yeah, I did look at that already, Tom. So Is it incredible? Yep. And then you'll see a lot of other names, too. A lot of them that are on there. And one is um, in the 1998 period. From James Dunn to Eric Roth to Nia Valdoris to um, Justin John and St- uh, just Michael Justin or something, John Stanley. It goes on and on. All these people are then entered in separately into commission by Warner Brothers to write The Immortals. Mm-hmm. That's why the Wachowskis were not first picks. That's why Joel Silver had to give them an audition piece called Bound to prove they could direct. That's why the Wachowskis said in an article, they failed as writers, would have to pack their bags unless they're given the science project for to a direct. Second. So and you, you said that an attorney was better ahead, please. than an agent. So I'm assuming there's examples of yes. people using, maybe from the Writers Guild, using attorneys versus agents. Would would that be an accurate statement? It's a great assessment, a great question. And actually, I would have to search for those examples. What I was told by Warner Brothers staff was that attorney is better. That's why they, that's why they enticed us with that move because the attorney has all the records. He's got it, you know, proven that it submitted what? What do you do? What did James Boyd do? Certified so that was, your, that was your that was your attorney that number. submitted that stuff. That's pretty good. There was an attorney, what did yeah, they attorney actually attached to that time, Warner Brothers. Just wait. In a sense. They're they're taking Sit back, you've made it. It's sit back, you we made it. We have to, you know, let them go through a certain process. That's what yeah. I was going to ask. So you're talking about um, in 98 and uh, Tom Hanks is commissioned to do this work, supposedly. What happened between 94 and 98? Where are you in all this? What are you being told? Destroyed. Destroyed. My life is destroyed. The way the studios do it to meet latches and things like that, uh, time limits on filing things, is they destroy your life. They destroy your life. Then they mock you in the very work. It's such a great question, but it gets into the real meaty part. What did they tell Two sons murder. What did they tell you to string you along for those four years? Oh, we're still working on it. We're. I'm, I mean, yeah. They sent me to the Rockefellers. I was employed by David Rockefeller's group, given top positions and um, a beautiful home that's usually for vice presidents. And I was just spoiled and treated by Disney and Rockefellers in the holding period. It's the honeymoon period. And then after they're ready to steal the work, you're cut. They pull the rug. You lose everything. And is it is that a standard amount of time to go from here's a script to four years later, now we're going to start working? Because when did they start actually working Not on usually. the movie? It's a great question again. No, they have to go through the theft process to lock it all down. That's where Kate Chilton comes into play. They had to appoint a point woman. That was actually a failed person. She was only a clerk put into basically uh, top of Warner Brothers legal, along with Teresa Wayne at the same time to make sure that this would be stolen. So, you so were, there's a period they had to set up. Okay. So so you were kind of kept happy so to buy themselves time. I was kept in the hen house and just spoiled to death like a rooster yep. until they were ready to pull the rug. I mean, Disney even set me up on Maui. Gave me top positions. I was given a home and a condo. They were, it looked like, you know, it's it's one of those things where they give you the throne so they can take the throne. Yeah. And it was so like, that's in, exactly what they in, did. In, in my mind, everything. Uh, and, and maybe educate 
us on the Writers Guild part. So in my mind, there Please. should be in the contract mm -hmm. that would be presented to you being the author of this work, um, something dealing with royalties. So even if you were wined and dine and you, there maybe in your mind Luke. you're like, okay, this is part of me making it, but where is – there was nothing signed that you – Right, it's as far as once it actually comes to fruition, you know, game. it's out there. The ten years, twenty years, the continual revenue that you should be awarded. Right, right. right. So we're well, talking was about the never dog and pony show, the snake and oil show, the, the shell game, they shell game. They give you a lot of talk, a lot of benefits. They snow you with trips and everything. I was spoiled to death. And what they did was they're just avoiding that contract. They did the same thing with the attorney to throw my case. The attorney to throw my case was unlicensed to practice law. And he had a contract for us. Then he says, oh, he doesn't remember where it was. Then after he throws the case, he produces another contract for me to sign, he says, which will be just like the one before, but claims he never had a contract. It's the same game where the, you're absolutely you hit it, Luke. It's the contract game. And they give you everything under the sun to keep you away from that contract. And then they even take the contract away. I've got it all here. In fact, look at this right here. Here is, if you look at this, I sent this to you, but I'm going to hold it up. For you. I know you have people listening and can't see it. But this is Tony Rankin, classmates of Warner Bros. lead attorney. And what does it say at the bottom? Not Read eligible to practice law. Yeah, suspended license. So therefore, I lose my case right away as soon as he signs on. He doesn't tell me that, does he? For three years, he doesn't tell me that. And then we go to file. He files it pro per when he's supposed to be filing as an attorney. And then he's allowed the statute to run out on everything for them. Right. So it's like that's how you win the case. And then, then you hear in the media, oh, he lost I mean, his it, case. It, right? it almost the seems point. too good to be true for them that you picked an attorney that was almost, in my mind. Or they provided it. They provided him. I didn't pick him. I didn't pick him. He came to me. That's the key. He came to me That's with the, the wife to provide me, who was an ex-con, who had an ex-con that he was a landlord of, sex for trade, and has her be my wife. It, it almost seems like they knew you had this script, and they, do. they got word to this fake attorney, come, come knock on your door and yes. sell yourself to, to Tim, you know, Yes, right. Tom. Yes, and 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 yes, and, spot and on. Make like you're on his side. Exactly. But, exactly. But That's really, why he's like an. It's almost like he's an employee of Warner Brothers. He is. He kept saying throughout the whole process, "I just want to um, give Warner Brothers everything they want and be done with this." That's what he kept saying, and then he never did any discovery whatsoever. He runs the clock out. You can't have other attorneys because his contract is illegal. The contract says that if you do anything you, you, that he doesn't want, including. No depositions of them, ex except that they're telephonic and uh, a stipulation order where they don't show any evidence ever. And it's only for the uh, attorney's eyes only, not for judge or jury or plaintiff. You should see what they stuck in. No alternative dispute resolutions. And a half hour, Luke, after he's fired, he says a half hour after he's fired, he allows them to proceed to summary judgment without objection, which means that's the only way you can win a summary judgment with all the evidence we have. You have all this evidence given to you that can't be refuted. It's there where they put in not only Tom Hanks, they put my whole information in the first graphic of the matrix. So when you, am I angry? Sure. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing they say to me. Oh, he's angry. If your sons were murdered, you took everything away from somebody and broke them and mocked him for it. Do you think he'd be angry? So do I have a uh, right to be angry? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, uh, just maybe just we'll, we'll, Put the details of the case because that's a, a show in itself, right? Let, let's put that. It's a on show in itself for a moment. Yes, but I think we did. I think we did a good. Wait, you see, treat us to how how we got here, how you how you were snowed this whole time, and how it was how it was done. And obviously, I was going to say, obviously, you, um, you know, it's not. They go through this all the time with <laughs> with intellectual property and creating creating a a, a brand and a, a you know a household name the matrix series right and right so but you you know that four years where they were you know keeping you happy in the hen house um you didn't know that's you know not the the way that things should have gone and i so, thought it, 
Yeah, I sorry, Pete. But I want to just interject. Yeah. This. I thought it was proof that they were being forthright. Yes, I thought with all that gifts and and treatment and special treatments of loved ones that 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 was proof we were. Because why would the they circle. spend the money on you? Exactly. I thought I thought that was so. That was a you just pointed out a really good move, a sinister move to placate and take us off what Luke is talking about. We should have been focused on contracts. Mm-hmm. And it worked. It works because you wow. don't want to bite the hand that's feeding you. You don't want to go to them and say, "Hey, wait a minute." When they're yes. just, it seems like they're treating the trust you like royalty. Because when you have an attorney, yeah, you know, and you, and you said it many times you, in your mind, an attorney was better than an agent. You know, because the knowledge and and it sounds like he did some things that was in your favor as far as tracking and uh, some of the recordings that were done, mm-hmm. even though he wasn't legally. Right. But when you have somebody like that at your side that you think is licensed, you know, properly and is doing everything for your best interests in your mind, they're doing that. It gives you, I don't know, you kind of get a little peace. You get a little relaxed. Yeah. And then you're getting, then you're getting some of the benefits so you're not doing the due diligence that maybe you should have because you're not on your edge of your seat. You're kind of relaxed. That's right. Very good. Very good. And look, look, you just said something so important. It was a couple of things, really. Um, what happened in the process was we started to feel like, let's help out, right? So this unlicensed attorney that's running out the clock for three years on statutes, right? Running it out and then disappears on vacation and files too late, calls the day after and says, oh, we just missed it. Where were you the whole time after three years of prep? And this is what we did. We started feeling like, let's help out. So we do this like to help out like a parent almost. We go and start researching Sophia Stewart's failed case and summary judgment and find all these materials. And, so, and just just for context, who's Sophia Stewart and, how, and what role oh, is she boy, playing? Did we find out. The actual role was she was appointed by Warner Brothers, by Kate Chilton of Warner Brothers, the architect of this whole thing, theft, okay. to be the first claimant for the public. And they made her look like the, they make the Oracle look like her so they could be a claimant. It's not about material. She has 33 pages, never wrote a screenplay in her life. Just 33 pages. is not. What this, was her position? And, and was she her? was a failed writer out of USC okay. out of the projects. And so Warner Brothers hired her after she failed and brought her like the Wachowskis in house to handle me. She was a handler. So she came to me and said, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'll help you. I'm going to work with you. Da, 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 and then pulls the rug. At what what so, time did were you introduced to her in the, the mid-90s? The period, the period, well, we have a Kate Chilton sellout letter where Kate Chilton, uh, head of Warner Brothers, was and also went to Netflix to launder this stuff after that. A uh, letter where she tells Sophia Stewart she's not going to give her 5 to $7 million anymore. She's not needed for the period 2009 to 2014. And they just spelled out in the letter 2009 to 2014 is when she handled me. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I know we're saving the case info for later, yeah, we'll but when, when was your actual these three years of when your case was going on the throne 2000. case, the throne, the throne case was this. Um, and like you said, we'll go over this later and we'll have, we'll have all the documents you can talk over yeah. to and see for yourself. Um, really it's, it's introduced to me in 2009, uh, because that statutes for 1999. See, they okay. want the author to know so they can have control of the author and his evidence. They get all my evidence this way. See, and they can, they can block any publicity, and with the honeypot wife's thrown in, the ex-con, they can have stuff disappear. So 2009 is when they institute, and then they decide to go file it at statutes. See, 2009, they run out the three-year preparatory uh, period where you can file within three years of discovery. They run it out, and then the day after that runs out is when he reappears and says, oh, we're too late. So that's the period from 2009 to 2012, and 2012 he says, we'll go ahead anyway. It's already thrown. Yeah. So that was the three years of the court case. No, that's the, that's the preparatory to throwing oh, the prep. it. That's the throwing it. The actual throwing, the actual court case, which was a sham, yeah. was 2012 to 2014. Okay. And n- now, uh, 2009 is when you are bringing this? This is when I'm approached. To, to, I'm approached. To, I'm you approached are bringing legal action against No, 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 no. That's okay. when they appear with their players and say, look. This you should be filing. Look, this was done to you. Look, we want to help both the oh. honeypot wife and them. And so they get me into this period for uh, stalling for three years that I missed the time to file. 
then they file so they can have all my documents and information. Between like the late 90s when the movie – so the first Matrix came out when? Was it 99? 99. So you have 10 okay. years of discovery period. You have 10 years to discover from 1999. So they appear in 2009. What, what are you thinking all of these 10 years? Because you're not, you're not bringing know. Anyone, lawsuits I, against anyone. The writers are the last to know usually. Yeah. I had no idea. If you look at the first insert, this is important. I think this is a perfect tie-in, I feel, okay. to what was stuck in by the Wachowskis in 1999. It's not just Tom Hanks, Wendy Washington, all these names I read to you, like Eric Roth, being given copyright entry play card holders. You also have what the Wachowskis stick in in 1999 because they were angry at Warner Brothers for another writer brought in an Assassins where they failed, their career was failed. What was stuck in that first graphic, guys? What's stuck in the first graphic in the Matrix, which cannot go away? If you freeze any interrogation um, document scene, you're going to see what? And get this. Are you ready? Yeah. You're going to see this stacked there. They call it stacking because it has to get by the clearance department at Warner Brothers. So you're going to see my high school as Neo's Central West High. You're going to see it as Neo's school. My high school, West, Central West. Now, what's the odds, probability, of having the actual writer who holds the copyright, there's no copyright in the Matrix, has actually the copyright, having his high school in the first graphic shot, in the first scene done? What's the chances, guys? The probability. Now let's is. add to that. Right. That's what the guy told me from the story department because I would never have seen it. A split second upside down. I sent you, and you can tell your viewers too what this is, if you will. That that little short of that first scene, I sent it to you so you could see it and see how fast it flashes upside down, right? Susanna Bolgen, there's, uh, and thanks for letting me speak this through. Susanna Bolgen, their graphic designer, is this is the heart of the matter, said that anything in for a split second is for the director's eyes only to keep the project interesting, right? And I apologize for talking fast. I said I would try not That's to, fine. but my mind, mm, no, when I get good. on this material, I talk fast. But here's the deal. There's more mm -hmm. stacked there. Not just a high school. We're thinking about the mathematical probability, and we're doing a documentary about what's the mathematical probability, right, Luke, of the high school being there. All right? Right now, it's like winning the lottery. The actual author. That's not all. My fiance's birthday, who was at the pitch session, is Neo's birthday, March 11th. Okay, mm. now you got the fiance's birthday on that sheet, that first sheet made, first scene shot, and my high school. Now right. what's the probability? Mm -hmm. But that's not all. What's Neo's name? Why does Neo has two? Why does he have two names? Why do you have a character in, in writing 101, wherever you go for a course? You don't list two names for a character in a movie. You confuse your audience. But the Wachowskis do. Why? Why is Neo called Thomas A? Because Thomas hmm. A is the author. Why Anderson? Anderson's my Scottish clan name. So you've got the author's name, his fiance's birthday, and also the high school. That's not all. The banner has my birthday. My birthday, her birthday, my high school, my name. That's not all. My father's name is Neo's name. John. John Neo's father's name. John is my father's name. So you have my father's name. Bear with me. Father's name. High school. Fiance's birthday. My birthday. All in the graphic. That's not all. My marital status is there. Single at the time. Capital city is what they list. Well, Washington, D.C. is my main character's home. So you have that in the column. It says TA4099 in bold, black. Uh, TA was 40 in 1999. So you have how many entries? Stacked. That's not all. This is all one graphic. First graphic in the Matrix. You also have Michelle McGee as Neo's mom. Sounds innocuous until you understand that Michelle McGee is the art director as Neo's mom. It's a joke. Owen Patterson's the other school. Well, Owen Patterson is the production manager. It gets better. One more. We're even on the same document. You have it. You have it seen flipping through. That's not all. Because Owen Patterson and, and Michelle McGee, in with all my materials, is also who the Wachowskis blame for sticking there in testimony. Think of it. They're not saying it's not there. They're not saying they didn't put the author's information in. They're saying that Michelle McGee and Owen Patterson, their production manager and art director, did it. Does that negate that it's there? Does that mean that the Wachowskis who said that every cell, quote, cell that went into the Matrix is by their permission only, jointly between him and Larry and Andy, does that negate it then? It means they greenlighted it for them to do it. So what a stupid, weak argument to say, well, Michelle McGee and Noah Patterson put it there. We didn't. So, so all of this is if you pause the very first 
opening go to scene. It. Go to the all first scene. All of this is there. Wow. Go to the first scene. I'm going to do it today. Scene, pause it. Do it. Pause <laughs> I haven't done it yet. But see how fast it goes by. And yeah. keep in mind too, guys. I'm glad we were able to cover this importantly. It's very important. Yeah. This is what's going to floor Kate Chilton in the end. The one that architected this whole thing, and okay. Mike Lang from Disney. So if you look at it, keep in mind as you try to freeze frame that digitally. Try doing it on VHS. In 1999, oh yeah. yeah, try to get a clear image. I remember trying and look like, how and, and faint it those is. lines yeah, and right? stuff. It, <laughs> yeah, I yeah, thought it was uh, yeah. CDs or DVDs were so amazing when you could pause it and you could actually see the whole screen. I was like, wow, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, DVDs, VHS. So VHS is two fifty. It's worth trying. 250p, yeah. Yeah. guys. So, so what? HD is 1080p, right? Yep. A DVD is 480, and like Luke said, that's pretty clear. A, a VHS was 250p. Yeah. Well, that's that's <laughs> not all. Do you know in the industry how the, the the standard for like phone numbers, right? It was so annoying. You'd hear a guy go, "My phone number is five. 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 <laughs> yes, yes. And it was so annoying. Well, in the clocks, the clocks they had one a standard also, which was the smiling hands, ten after ten. Smiling hands and displays and stores do 10 after 10 clocks. Yes. That changed in the industry in 2003. You know why? Because I'm going to show you the graphic that Wachowski's put in Animatrix. Again, this cannot be denied. Anybody can freeze frame it from the Animatrix. Watch what I hold up. Wait, now I got, I got to see how it lines up on the camera here. Okay, now, ready? It's going to disappear. I'm going to, free, I'm going to show it again. Hold on. Okay, black hands, 7, 2, 59, 1 before the 60. The red hand, 4 past the 4. As it goes to black, I'm going to go again. Watch again. Watch this. Okay. 7, 2, 59 in black. See it? Yep. F- uh, and that's four from the, the movie four. Animatrix? Animatrix. Now, here's okay. the deal. Here's the deal. My birthday is 7, 2, 59, July 2nd, 59. I was 44 in 2003. You have a very expensive graphic filling the screen in a static shot. In Animatrix, exactly the birthday and age in red. Very clever. You, If you move, Luke, Pete, audience, if you move, I know your audience can't see this, but you guys can. If you move any hand one degree, 60 degrees, any degree, it no longer counts, no longer holds. It is perfectly matched to the author's exact birthday and age. Exactly. And an- Animatrix was... was- ideas that was part of your work too that was a spin-off of great immortals great question thank you pete watch this in here is 190 revolutionary concepts and matchups that's more than one a page on the average and what you have here is what they did was in animatrix they here you go they made it up on set as they shot that's why there's a 20-foot rule it sounds like listen to what we're saying a 20-foot rule can't be denied that if you're within 20 feet of this, you're fired. Did you know any other film where they had a 20-foot rule that the actors and staff and crew are not allowed within 20 feet of the directors because they're holding stolen work? That's what they're doing. Yeah, this was used and then a visual storyboard lifting every image they thought was cool. Who told me this? Paul Martin, the fight choreographer. How, and so, how many yeah. movies and shows have they stolen a piece of that and, and made it into by now? A there's dozen? a layered, layered answer more than that. What happened was when you get a chance, look at that copyright entry that I gave you for Dean Laurentis and also the Wachowskis on us on, I'm uh, uh, sorry, Dean Laurentis and Wachowskis are on assassins. Look at the one for uh, immortals with Dean Laurentis without the Wachowskis. And you're going to see 346 subtitles under my title immortals under Dean Laurentis, no body of work like Tom Hanks is three pages. And what they're doing is there, that gives you a clue to how many studios how many different takes they wanted to take because each subtitle indicates a slot they want to create the copyright office. Are, are they into. really that, are they really that uncreative that they can't come yes. up with this stuff yourself themselves? Yes. Or yes. I yes. mean, and I, and this is maybe in praise of, of your work just being so creative or is it, or is it, they see the dollar signs. So it's maybe, it's I a think it's above. all the dollar signs because it's, yeah. it's not that they're not creative in my mind, but you only have, so much capacity of creativity. Now there's exceptions to the rule. Tom, you might be extremely creative, you know, you're, that's mm-hmm. why you do what you do. Um, but, but when you have a thousand or tens of thousands of writers to pull from your, your factor of, of finding the winners, you know, go up uh, and it's just, it's yeah. about them filling the pipeline, which kind of leads me to, right. A, a question I want to ask you 
is have you came across other people that they have done this to that yes, want to link right. arms with you and and be like they did this to me yes it's great questions great series of questions too because um the lady who wrote gravity contacted me directly so we can correspond um the people that did um avatar uh, the guy did Kill Bill. You've got the people um, that did, um, what else was it? Gosh, help us. Um, there's more. But the thing is that, you know what stops them? Attorneys. Correct. Attorneys stop the dialogue because they want to control their client. Oh. So what happened was, the late, like for example, the lady did Gravity. She was stopped by attorney. Avatar, shut it down. The attorney shut it down. They're so stupid. I'm sorry to say, but these yeah. attorneys are so stupid. Because they want to keep control of their client, that they shut off the best life raft for their client. Because they don't mm. want anybody else having influence on their client. So yeah. the law is so stupid. One of the dumbest demographs in our country, in our world, is attorneys. They're just the dumbest people on the planet. So is it the attorney <laughs> being, they see the value of this, and they don't want any other attorneys to, to uh, you know, steer the ship they want to be the captain no one, yeah and they don't want anybody yeah influencing their client right anybody that might talk to their client they want to be they're, they're so insecure so many of them that they don't want anybody seeming more intelligent than they are and they're not that intelligent yeah Th- this is something that um i've oh, heard of in in the music industry too mm-hmm, right mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. um, in, in mm-hmm. terms of the predatory contracts that that bands are given and and this and the uh studios are are raking in the cash on their behalf all of that um one one more question and and it might be a long answer before we get into kind of luke's question of uh intellectual property theft you know how it's done how widespread which we covered a lot already Mm -hmm. but i was just going to ask you so uh in the timeline just to fill in one gap a little bit more 99 to 2009 are you realizing that that's your work that you've been stolen from? What are what's your mindset in that ten years? And yeah, and then in two thousand nine, you said that's when they're like, "Hey, uh, you you have a case," and then and, and that's right. what got the ball rolling. But what happened in that ten years? What are you thinking about these movies coming out? Well, that's so interesting. The question because actually, I was broken in nineteen ninety six. Remember I told you about the fiancé's birthday as Neo's birthday? Yeah. Well, it was. I would never have known about this graphic in for a split second. You'll see how fast it goes unless someone from inside the story department told me it was there and explained to me, as, as Luke hit it on the net, and Ed, it was to slap the face. You're absolutely right. That's exactly what they said, to slap the face, because they didn't understand the work, which also didn't understand the work. And so I'm broken in 1996 when um, my fiancé is enticed away uh, by the Disney's crowd, Disney crowd. And I'm broken. I'm destroyed. I actually ended up in the hospital. And so that's when they actually give the work to the Wachowskis when I'm hospitalized and I'm shut away, basically supposed to be for good. Mm. And then that's why when I show up in Hollywood later in 1996, because I was cast um, for a lead and um, not to, I'm not trying to divert from that's the question, just trying it. to fill the timeline properly with foundation. Yep. Um, I'm in, I'm in cast to do Demetrius Midsummer dream at Tabanga Canyon. Best way I can describe it is just to fill it in yep. um, by Ellen gear, grandpa Walton, you know, the Walton's, Oh. Uh, Will Gear, his his theater. So she invites me out and says, "You're going to make it." When I show up in July 1996, is when Dean Laurentis takes his name off the copyright of the Immortals and puts it in the investment firm's name, puts it in the largest investment firms in the world, that saying that they created the Immortals. Interesting, you know, they don't investment firms don't create it, but that creates slots in the copyright office. Where um, I don't mean to diverge from your question, I think it's important. I think you led me this way, which is great. Um, the investment firms claiming it, then you can see how it plays out. I see Luke's mind going here, I think, too, is that, you know, you guys are sharp. It's like what they're doing is it's ridiculous. The investment firms, by claiming ownership, sole ownership of the work and having Dean Laurentiis run. Dean Laurentiis really isn't getting away, is he? Because he's still listing the copyright as claiming immortals. When you replace it with the investment firms claim it, you still have the trail there in the copyright office, right? It makes it worse. So the investment firms and their small minds – they're, they're claiming now that they can give the work to any studio interested. It also shows you how many studios were interested. Um, they feel they're safe giving the work out. Oh, they, they're giving the work out. They'll make a profit off of the lending fees 
and they'll make a profit of claiming ownership of the work, both. And anybody feels, any studio feels free to steal it because it's the investment firms that claim they created it. Plus, I, so plus I would think the there's more um, layers that someone like you would have to go through. When they when they, right. when they pass it off to somebody else, it's more that you have more onion layers you have to f- go through to get it's to a, where a, it is. And then, a deeper rabbit and, then, and then when you say an investment, I'm thinking dollar signs. As they got, just like the big studios got a lot of money to, to fight these things, they got a lot of money to fight. I, That's I, it. That's it. I, I'm just, yep. this whole thing is reminding me of uh, another I think I saw a documentary on it. Actually, the the Rocky, um, he was the right. uh, yeah. the actual actor. So it wasn't the script so much. But he's like, "This is my life story." Mm-hmm. Sylvester mm-hmm. Stallone is is using my life story to create all these right. films. Oh, I did hear about this. Right, yes. right, right. You know, well, that's exactly it. Now they're saying the same thing to me. These very studios are now coming. At different times with uh, even Disney, I have tapes of Disney calls where there are one attorney attached to Disney is explaining to me, you know, you won the chess game because you're doing interviews, did hundreds of interviews. They strike a lot of these interviews because they don't want word out. And then people go, why have we heard of this before? Because they strike it down when they don't want it out and they promote who they want. You know, it should be so easy reader for people to understand this. You know, of course you don't hear from it. If you don't hear about it, it means it's important to them. And at least in the Rocky situation, I think uh, the documentary that he did, he said there was a settlement, uh, an NDA had to be signed. But he's not making he's not making the royalties, not making the money that that Sylvester Stallone and his family made off of it. Right? They gave him okay. crumbs. Hold. Take that point right there. That's the reason they told me. They tell me behind closed doors. They'll say. Off record, they'll say, we know you wrote it. In, in fact, the main attorney for them said, given the fact you wrote The Matrix. They, they say this. And then what happens is, and I'm sorry if I seem inflamed, because I don't like this. I don't want it to happen to my kids, my children in this. I don't. And what they do, they say this. Listen, it's 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 not our fault. Uh, it just is good business. They use the phrase good business. Because if we take it, then even if someone like yourself sues us, then we can do a settlement, which is just crackers out of the barrel, mm-hmm. just crackers, crumbs, like you said. And it's 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 just sound business. We made a profit off this by settling. So even if you get that far to a settlement, it won't be near the money we made off of your work. Yes. Well, that's what the banks do too. They they um, they do things. They do illegal things to make billions, knowing that the fines they're going to get if they're caught and and some degree of justice to the public is shown. Good, good. We slapped mm-hmm. the, the wrist of the bank. Exactly. They get fined millions. Well, that's that's good business. You made billions and you that's paid a few it. million in a fine. So that's what they this call is it. just a, the, the money trail, whether it's what we're describing here or you mentioned music, Pete. I'm thinking investors, yes. uh, not investors, yes. inventors. Yes. How many people yes, that have, yeah. you know, have an idea and they're like, well, that's oh, the thing. This, this is revolutionary. And then they go to a patent attorney. There's you know, another, what, what legal. tech is, Luke, you hit it. What tech is in And here? then somebody steals your idea. What tech is in this screenplay from 1990? It's actually 1993, right? What tech is in here? Neuralink called the enhancer. All described pros and cons all through this, which I was warning people about. Right. Because I felt led by God to warn. So in here is the tech. Right. And Kate Chilton, the person I told you was the point woman for all this, and still is, gave the tech to Elon Musk. Elon Musk is in Iron Man 2 by Warner Brothers being introduced to the public to take the tech. To take the tech. Well, also in the the Matrix, you had the Neuralink. That was how they downloaded, you know, all the... jacked in. Because... The Wachowskis said they wanted to do Jackson Neck for real when they had this. Jackson Neck is all through. In fact, the attorneys for Warner Brothers said they got a deposition of me seven and a half hours. I didn't get anything. I'm not allowed to with their own attorney. He blocked it, right? He blocked it all, ran statutes out. So what happens is in mine, they're saying, There's, you don't have Jackson Neck. You don't have Jackson Neck. I opened this blindly and I was on Jackson Neck. It's all through it. Yeah. So Jackson Neck, that's what they're concerned about. That was, And Kate Chilton was at my deposition. She was the person mm. who's now on the run. She just left her judgeship. 
So they're afraid well, let, now with this Tom Hanks delivery thing being brought forward. Yeah. Let, let's keep going with this track because I think this is important um, to lay this foundation Absolutely. of who is Tom Althaus and what did you create and what happened to you. And I know you right. know you and I went over uh, a dozen or so uh, different topics, and I sent I sent this to Luke to the show notes. But right, um, we'll we'll give those time in in future uh, talks with you if if you'd be willing that would be great let's do it let's do it. let's get this out because you know what i yes. want i want it to be able that we get past their talking point hear my heart on this i want to say this to you guys i want to get past their insane talking point where they just go he lost his case he lost his case he lost his case let's show what they did let's show the fraud and let's get past that that when everybody raises that specter we can say, no, let's look at what's actually being done here for God, for people, to, for the children, to save this whole situation, to turn the world around. And let's get to why this piece was written and get past that talking point. Because if you look at it, he lost his case. I was breaking Morant on steroids. It was all about throwing the case and having us lost before we even got in there, like the art of war. And they even tell me that. So let's get that under the belt. And then we can get rid of their noise and their talking points. Defeat their talking points, we can solve the problem and, and set things straight. You've been listening to the Days of Noah podcast. Thanks for tuning in again this week. As always, remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and leave us that five-star review especially on apple it really does help to spread the algorithm uh, to allow more people to find the show if you'd like to support us further please click the support link at the bottom of the description and choose a monthly support level as low as 99 cents Feel free to reach out to us with any questions or comments for the show at the Days of Noah Podcast at gmail.com. Take care, guys. See you next week. God bless.
Hey guys, let me tell you about Zencaster, the podcasting recording software that I use. Right from your laptop or desktop web browser, you can record audio, video, or both, and you're on your way to making podcast history. The nice thing about it is it records a local backup on your browser cache as well as in the cloud. So even if you have some unstable internet connection issues, it's continuing to record you and your guests in the cloud for you to download at the end of your recording. A friend of mine from another podcast turned me on to Zencaster and I've never looked back. One thing I like about it is just how easy it is to use. You can share the link with your guests. They don't have to download any software or subscribe to anything or sign up. Another great thing about Zencaster is it's totally free to use. Although if you would like to do post-production editing of your audio and video, you can do that right on Zencaster with one of their affordable paid plans. Now me personally, I use my own audio software to do my editing for the show. And I just use Zencaster Creator Plus, which is a free account, in order to record the audio with my guests. But if you'd like to get started with one of the paid plans and take advantage of all the features that Zencaster has to offer, to get started, go to Zencaster.com slash pricing. That's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R dot com slash pricing. And use my code, Genesis6. That's Genesis and the number 6. And you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experience as I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story.